Welcome to a new episode of the India Independent Films Podcast. This is Rahul Desai here. Uh, I'm a film critic for Film Companion. I have with me Uday Bhatia, the film critic for Mint. Um, we are back today. We are going to be discussing two films uh, that we both watched last week. Um, the first one is the Hindi film, the big Hindi release of last week, Drisham 2, which is in theatres, playing in theatres. Um, directed by Abhishek Patak, it's a remake of the Jito Joseph uh, Drisham 2 from last year, which starred Mohanlal. It is again the sequel to the same remake uh, five or six years ago, starring Ajay Devgan. Um, yeah, so it's like an inception of remakes happening, and uh, uh, it's pretty much a continuation from the from the first Risham, which was directed by the late Nishikant Kamath. Uh, it, it did pretty well from what I remember a couple of years ago, and. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the, it wasn't entirely a terrible film. Again, um, Uday, you want to... Start, first of all, did you... Uh, how familiar are you with the originals? And, like, did you watch them or did you make an effort to see them before uh, this one? No, I've I've seen the first Mohanlal film, some of it. I, ah. I uh, But I didn't see all of it because I was coming to it after the Ajay Devgan film. And even though I, I liked... Uh, I liked the Mohanlal performance better. Mm. It was like I it follows it pretty carefully. I mean, as closely, so I I didn't really see the point of going through it again. Mm. So yeah, not not uh, very familiar with the originals, but I saw a little bit. And uh, yeah, I mean, we saw the we saw Drishyam, I guess, uh, uh, together. And yeah. um, uh, again, as you said, not a terrible film. I. Even the new one, I guess, not a terrible film, though uh, I think it's a little bit below the first one in terms of, I think, Nishikant at least brought a bit of, like, a little bit of excitement, I think, to the directorial side of it. And uh, this one was kind of lacking that for a while, though we'll get into that, I suppose. Uh, Do you want to give us, like, a bit of a recap of what had happened by the time this film starts out? Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, as, as you said, uh, the sort of, even I watched a little of the Malayalam uh, original, the first one. This one, uh, I know for a fact it did very well last year, it got great reviews from all over, but I did not watch this one. Just to give you a recap uh, of uh, what's basically what Drisham 2 is, what it's a sequel of. Uh, Drisham itself was a story of a family in Goa. Um, Ajay Devgan plays uh, Vijay Salgaukar, who owns this uh, cable TV service, a big movie fan. Um, and um, it, it basically it tells a story of a family in a crisis, which is which one night when like a, a spoiled rich kid sort of comes to threaten the daughter of Vijay. Um, they accidentally kill him. Uh, the daughter accidentally kills him. And then the rest of the story is about how Vijay basically tries to protect his family and escape. Uh, uh, sort of um, and basically buries the body without anyone knowing and trying to escape the suspicion of the cops. As it turns out, the son, the boy they killed is also the son of uh, of the, you know, police chief who's the IG, who's played by Tabu in the first film. And so it's obviously the stakes are higher. She's a mother also looking for her son and she's a cop um, trying to figure out uh, how he disappeared and it's a cat and mouse game between uh, this this seemingly ordinary man Vijay and uh, the cops who are on his tail, and it, that that film basically ends. Um, I mean, 
given that if you are going to be watching Drisham 2, you obviously know how Drisham has to end. It ends with basically, obviously, Vijay um, sort of escaping, uh, you know, arrest and uh, sort of uh, outsmarting the cops. Uh, we find out towards the end of that film that the body was buried all along under the newly constructed police station in uh, in the area uh, when they were looking in his backyard. Um, so yeah, so the whole point of this entire franchise is that whenever he's on the back foot or whenever we think he's going to get caught, he's actually one step ahead of the cops, which is not the first time we've heard of, uh, you know, a suspense drama like that. Second one takes off uh, from, uh, you know, uh, like seven years after the first one. Um, uh, we, we see that, uh, you know, uh, Vijay has moved on. He owns a movie theater now. Uh, he's doing better in life, but his wife and his daughters are still pretty traumatized from what happened seven years ago. They are worried about, you know, the cops sort of reopening the case, which is what happens in this film. And the addition in this film, of course, is that uh, there was a parallel track of someone, uh, a witness on the night uh, uh, that Vijay buried the body under the police station. And that witness comes into play here. It's a parallel track of another criminal who comes out of jail and he has something to do with the plot. Tabu returns. Uh, the new Again, the new addition is Akshay Kanna and Uday will talk about it in great detail because that's what his review was about. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, so it's pretty much the cops basically just uh, waking up after seven years and deciding to nail him again and finding out that, you know, the, the, the body was under the police station. But this film takes it further than that. Just when you think he's going to get caught, um, something new happens towards in the final act of the film. And um, yeah, and that that's pretty much it. And from what I read, it's uh, pretty much a, at least the plot is a very, very faithful remake of the original. Um, I I don't know. I can't say the same for Abhishek Patek's direction, which Uday will also tell. We'll get into that soon. Uh, but from from what even what you said that uh, the Nishikan Kamath first film had a certain kind of energy. There were some very good scenes in that film as well. Uh, you know, well acted scenes. The bus scene especially, which so many people remember. Uh, and uh, and you know that seems to be lacking is it's almost like uh, it's almost like the director knows that he has a hit on his hands or he has a, a a strong original sort of material on his hands so he's really just amped it up and without really any world building without any skill as such um, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the treatment of this film. Um, um, first of all, excellent summary. You should do all of these. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a bit weird actually because um, uh, it, it, the, it, that absolutely seems to be the case that because he knows you know uh, uh, Abhishek Patak knows that there are these um, uh, twists coming up and that the like the latter half of the film is really going to get moving. I think he kind of takes the first half of the film a bit for granted. Uh, yeah. It it kind of meanders and uh, it's it's a little weird. I'd noted in my review of the first film, uh, somewhat luckily, that it was uh, that it was basically um, what had even that kind of starts a bit uh, methodically uh, for about forty minutes and then it apparently picks up. I haven't revisited that film, but I had written that, so that's vaguely how that went. Out here, I would say like. Easily up to an hour and fifteen minutes 
it was very much like treading water just sort of building up the idea that um, that the case might come back but really nothing much is happening beyond yeah. the parallel track that you mentioned that the guy who yeah. noticed devgan on that fateful night yeah and nothing has happened he hasn't even reached the police yet akshay khanna's ig has not come in until just before the halfway mark uh tabu's former ig is still grieving but she's pretty much out of the picture now and if you look back to that first half what happened really now i'm i'm finding it kind of difficult to uh look back and think that you know what exactly was happening how did they spend that hour and 15 minutes or so uh before they got things moving because when it gets moving it really does get moving then they pack a lot in but uh, it takes its time and people had started talking in the theater by that you know by by about 45 minutes in then conversations were happening people were checking their phone and then uh, they only kind of got into it uh, once uh, akshay khanna comes in and things start moving yeah that's pretty much the same thing the same reaction in my theater as well like when the interval point came i was like wait how what what did i miss why so soon like it just started uh, and not even length wise as you said you know like just the amount of stuff that happens plot wise premise wise nothing really there's no new information there's except that parallel track which we know will come into play at some point akshay khanna's character is just introduced sort of as a surrogate for tabu's character he is a old sort of uh, uh, you know colleague of tabu's and uh, yeah. that's how he enters the film so that's pretty much the same formula it's just that now obviously she has enlisted help and uh, it's pretty much the same arc as the first film if you think about it there's no real urgency till well after like 70 75 80 minutes when uh, you know akshay khanna starts to like you know really um, sort of get into the get into a relationship with the film itself like you feel like <laughs> you feel like he's constantly as you said you know and this when i read your review i was like shit this is exactly the same uh angle i used to write uh, the ittefaq review a couple of years ago uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> nothing uh, great uh, nothing uh, really solid to say about that film because anyways that was a remake of the older film but right. it was the exact same thing that akshay khanna sort of saunters into a film like looks down on everyone has fun as everyone at ex- everyone's expense he's the only one who's got gotten the memo that this is a goofy sort of film yeah yeah and yeah he's just doing his thing like uh, it wouldn't make any difference if his character existed or not because he's pretty much playing tabu in this but he just decides to have some fun and uh, i guess uh, this film does profit from that though i preferred ittefaq a lot more his performance or his um say his identity in that film or what he did for that film a lot more than what he did for this film it's a uh, better performance i yeah, i agree with that because it's pretty much the same performance it's just about how what he <laughs> means to the film eventually and both films are mediocre so it's just like he's sort of uh, he, he's sort of almost winking at us saying you know look at me i'm just like uh, i'm just like uh, doing nothing really in this in this very average film and uh, and you know the way he toys around with the family here um which he has an character was the wife uh, with the daughters um it really doesn't amount to anything till uh, till i say i'd say like till the last 40 last 30 35 minutes when uh, the film actually progresses in a way that okay 
they actually want to sort of um, they, they've actually gotten a clue about where he's hidden the body and then they pursue that direction and then what happens is the film really pushes us to the brink saying you know how far can they take us as a viewer um, you know suspension of disbelief wise and how far can they stretch our uh, sort of um, you know our own equation with the film because uh, Vijay is more or less uh, sort of almost caught in this film and there is no way out apparently so while we are right about the fact that nothing really happened in the first hour uh, first 70 minutes or so what's interesting is the last 30 minutes or the last 25 minutes and the twists and whatever revelations happen and then uh, which has something to do with Vijay's uh, you know burgeoning sort of film producing career as well as his interest in films itself uh, I felt like that put into perspective a little of, um, you know, the inertia that we felt in the first hour in the sense that there were things happening. It was just happening uh, maybe, you know, just outside our line of view. And like, I find it interesting when films try to pull that off saying we were purposely uh, leading you on or maybe purposely being like really boring in the first half, first one hour. I don't think it was deliberate here. It was just bad direction. But I do think that the writing sort of um, makes us think about what was actually happening in that first hour. Because we think Vijay has moved on and we think his family hasn't moved on. But, um, you know, all this while he's been sort of almost prepared for the inevitable, which is which is an interesting concept. Of course, that Jito Joseph's original concept. So I would not give credit to the uh, people who adapted it. But, you know, in terms of how the film pans out, I feel like it's an interesting sort of arc they choose. I, I I quite agree with that. It's it's in retrospect, if you look back, huh. quite a lot of it was, you know, was building up to whatever comes in the end. It's just that when you do that stuff over a period of time, as you pointed out, you need a, you need a director and writing and performances. Uh, good enough to kind of sustain that interest while these sort of very commonplace things are happening mm. and so you know so you haven't kind of lost the audience midway though to be to be quite honest they completely came back I, I think this is a I don't know that people just like this franchise I think it's mm. uh, it, it works in whatever language they do it in and uh, it's they really came back. I mean, they were distracted in the half at the half hour mark, uh, half time mark, but then in the second half they were really enjoying it. And they were clapping for whatever, whatever Vijay is doing and all that. But um, again, and I mean, it's it's quite funny. The, you said that you know Vijay has moved on, but his family hasn't moved on. It's amazing that the cops haven't figured out in seven years. That the simplest way to cracking this case is just isolating uh, Vijay's wife and just grilling her uh, until she reveals every single thing possible. Because she has the most useless poker face. She just, she sees a cop and she starts trembling. It's just for no reason. This is even before they've opened the investigation. She just sees a police person outside the house and she's like, police, police, kyo police. And she, yeah. she's just I, such a guilty 
uh, face she has at uh, at at all times is just like the cop should have just leaned on her and you know that story would have been over very quick and vijay sensing this of course does not give her much information but even with the information that she has i'm sure she would give everything away if they had just like kind of kept her apart yeah totally like her character obviously is first of all she's the most annoying character and like priya saran really overplays her Um, yeah. and uh, i find I mean, all the salgaonkers kind of boring actually i yeah, you were right about that like in your review also you said you know there's no real character to either him or his family um and that, see the thing is i felt like abhishek patak like the director here or the and even the his co-writer is writer um i felt like instead of say biding time by maybe doing some world building in goa doing some you know textural narrative sort of thing happening they actually stick by the broad plot only and try to play around with their treatment instead of the world that they built around in the first film like so instead of like uh, concentrating on the physical aspects of the film they keep sort of trying to stretch the premise and that's why you see this fake tension fake uh, like so many fake uh, so many scenes just like having the music reaching a crescendo when a character is like walking to the door or something you know yeah. and uh, when when nothing really is happening the editing is trying so hard to create some suspense um uh, they use uh, this nandini's character to create like some kind of pressure uh, on the family they use the daughter having nightmares uh, you know and and of course he has a poker face so you know it's just one of those things where i felt like they prioritize the wrong part of the film to make it interesting like they prioritize the filmmaking rather than uh, rather than the storytelling or the world building which is not uh, which is why we felt nothing really happened and as you said you know uh, that they don't really have a personality they are characters on paper they don't feel like humans as such because he is way too righteous he's boring he's um, he's the typical middle class underdog story which has no grace really um and and they've made a mistake so like i mean a good example would be that you know last year's that web show tabar which which mm. did well um yeah. it's pretty much the same story it's just about how the family themselves become a little dark while trying to escape uh, you know escape suspicion uh, and trying to sort of cover up their tracks nothing of that sort happens here. first of all because it's part of the conceit we don't really see what vijay is actually doing behind the scenes to protect his family but his personality itself is so vague and um, so bland and you don't really feel like there's any moral stakes or moral internal war happening in his head uh, i get that he has to look sane throughout so that in the end the revelation will basically say that you know he was actually doing a lot more uh but but that's a that's a cheap device you know that 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 doesn't really uh go into the understanding of how a family like them who have actually done something technically wrong you know by the law and are trying to sort of um then prove themselves right by saying that you know we killed a, a bad person uh, i don't think there's any sort of moral consequences on their universe except for nandini really trembling and doing nothing uh vijay's character could have been a lot more complex uh, could have been a lot more fun in in a way especially now that they put an akshay khanna character opposite him you could uh, sort of argue that um, you know 
they do that whole cat and mouse uh, cop and robber thing but nothing of that sort happens and that's pretty much what uh, that's why this film feels like a wasted sort of opportunity i get why people like it because the twists and the turns are inherently very engaging and people like to be surprised when they watch a film but how you go about it and what you choose not to do also should matter like you should see some kind of burden on vijay uh, some kind of darkness in him for doing what he's doing or for uh, surviving seven years like this there's nothing of that sort there's no understanding of human nature as such and uh, there's i mean he's he's not even like a uh, like a sort of playfully uh, intelligent character in the sense that you can't really i i i couldn't really enjoy the twists as much as i would with a slightly you know more alert actor then they've gone uh, he's become too heavy an actor now i mean he's fine in the drishyam film they're actually the closest that he comes to anything that we would regard as you know uh, proper acting compared to like the rest yeah. of the stuff he does but uh, it's just um, it's i think he's he's just lost what subtlety he used to have at one point uh, to the thing and he he can only play sort of broad note so he's just this sort of bland guy throughout and then he comes up with these great solutions which is nice and the solutions in themselves are fun yeah. uh, but the character is not in you're you're quite right he carries no real darkness it seems from like what he did uh, which is sort of uh, you know cover up a murder mm. uh, that many years ago even if it was Uh, sort of justified and um, even when he kind of helps out um uh you mean rajat kapoor's character playing you know the tabu character's husband uh, approaches him and uh, uh, says that you know I, uh, i i know that you know where the body is buried and mm-hmm. i would just like to uh, uh, you know i just want the remains you don't really see that affecting him much i mean it shows at the end of the film that it did affect him but it you wouldn't really get it from devgan's performance it just sort of turns up uh, like at the end as a twist again and um, yeah i mean I, i i i can see this series going forward yeah, uh, yeah. indefinitely though you know they should really like i mean they they need to do something really smart now because i don't think they can continue with this case that would be uh weird i mean they need to do like a hannibal kind of thing now where you know vijay is working with the police to solve another murder or something like that uh but um, yeah i just um, i i i find these films tolerable but not very exciting and um, yeah i think the second one is a bit of a is a bit of a downgrade on on the first film Yeah, I mean that's the thing about these films. Like, of course, they are watchable by by design, but uh, you also have to see how much we've sort of evolved as, you know, culture of storytelling in general, or suspenses, or thrillers, or whatever. Long form storytelling doing it so much better. You know, like they have first of all they have more bandwidth to sort of explore the characters. Yeah. So you know we can actually get into their lives and the consequences of what doing something what. something like burying a body would have have on a on a middle class man in goa 
um, you know, you, you get into these things rather than using broad strokes like Nandini or the daughters or Vijay's poker face, which is which is really not really acting. You know, he thinks, I mean, I feel like Devgan has, as you said, you know, he's, he's lost that nuance that he used to have in the more serious roles he used to do. He's like, he's now acting less instead of, you know, being minimalistic. And that's right. a big problem, you know, like it's, 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 it's an art, you know, being minimalistic as a character and uh, not many people can pull it off. And I don't think he is capable anymore because of the sort of loud commercial roles he's been doing for so long. I feel like that's had a sort of effect on his, you know, his slightly more sober roles, like even in Gangubai. Um, you know, it's always like the character he's playing is more interesting than the acting he's doing. And, uh, and in context of the film itself. So, yeah, I mean, Disham... Of course, it'll probably continue depending on, you know, I'm not going to give any credit to the Hindi filmmakers, but yeah, Jitu Joseph might just continue to make like a third one. Uh, we hear it's in the works or whatever. And, uh, you know, the direction it takes could be pretty much anyone's guess. But I, I, I don't think this film was as smart as it thought it was. You know, even the fun that it has in the end and showing how Vijay was probably one step ahead of the cops all along. I feel like... It is, it's, you know, it gets a grin on your face because you're like, of course, but it's also silly at the same time. Like, it's not yeah. like as airtight as the film wants to imagine. I don't know how the Mohanlal film pulled it off, but uh, it didn't look as convincing in this film. Um, and the, the entire whole voiceover thing about, you know, him actually like what is in front of your eyes and what you see. And it's all like it's done many times before in so many kinds of languages and films. So it's nothing great. It's just like the bar is very low in this genre and it doesn't take much to surprise people. But, you know, I'd rather watch a well-made or a slightly, you know, like a slightly complex and long-drawn sort of web show uh, like Tabar or like any like any other uh, sort of genre vehicle like that than, than something like Drisham, which I know for a fact is, first of all, not really working very hard to adapt what it has. Uh, even the Goa it uses is so uninteresting, you know uh it's just not really um it, it's it's more rohit shetty's goa than than goa goa and yeah it doesn't really do much and the characters really some of the characters speak funny in a cafe or whatever because it's a very uh bombay understanding of goa uh, yeah. what they used to do in the 90s it's not like the kundan shah's goa or you know anything else we used to see uh so it's yeah they could have done so much and uh, in terms of adaptation uh, in terms of world building, in terms of so many other things. But I feel like that's probably what keeps Drisham from being a solid film. And it's always on the on the border, on the fence, really. It's neither here nor there. And this is pretty much more of the same, no matter how much fun Akshay Khanna is. And his character is fun. But you also sense that he's just trying to inject life into a dead sort of uh, template. Yeah, absolutely. It's not... Uh... And I, I and I think the director is grateful for it, and the film is grateful for it, which is why nobody is kind of reining him in, because yeah. I think they sense that it's needed, uh, because without it, uh, it would really be like a, it would be a very dull film. I think yeah, so. I guess uh, that's pretty much it about Risham Two, at least. Uh, not much else to say because it's uh, it's that kind of film we can't really discuss the ending as such so there's not really much else to say in terms of uh, the storytelling itself 
um you know uh, but we are going to move on to the next film of the week um and it was it is the film she said which is directed by maria shreda it's based on the new york times investigation uh, that triggered the me too movement back in 2017 by the journalist judy cantor and uh, megan twohey um who also went on to write a book about the investigation and this film is pretty much based on that book and the investigation itself the process of nailing harvey weinstein um uh, and sort of um uh, you know coming out with that that very uh, that sort of cultural moment that was the new york times piece followed by i mean there was also a new york piece but that's a separate thing uh, so this screenplay by rebecca lenkiewicz um and uh, yeah that's pretty much it it's a it's a journalism movie in the true american journalism movie in the truest sense it's about uh, the two journalists and how they go about trying to uh, sort of get the voices of uh, all the survivors and the victims of harvey weinstein over the last two or three decades uh, how they expose the sexual abuse with their journalism and um, yeah uh, we we knew of this film it was being made uh, i was actually looking forward to this because uh, you know it's it's been in the works for a while and it has kari mulligan and zoe kazan two fantastic actresses uh, patricia clarkson as one of the editors uh, uday uh, yeah no same and uh... uh huge carry mulligan fan so yeah. you know uh, that also and i really liked um, i didn't uh, i only kind of uh, remembered it after the after the film but uh, maria shader had also um, uh, had also made i'm your man mm. uh, which um, which was uh, i think that was her first film as director if i'm not mistaken and i i thought that that i thought was a fantastic film it's like this sort of uh science fiction comedy uh, romance thing very sharp uh, uh german film some of it in english some in german and uh, great performance by dan stevens as a sort of uh, robot gigolo companion thing mm. uh quite brilliant uh but this of course very different film uh very um very much a journalism film in the sense very methodical uh, uh very um sort of um focused on its story and uh, in uh, i guess comparisons of course will be made with spotlight and uh, all the president's men and uh, the post and uh, yeah it's uh, I-, i thought quite um it's come fairly soon after the whole um uh, story broke so i thought that was a bit surprising did you uh, did you think that a film would come so soon uh, after uh, like i mean yeah like it's it's been i mean it's been a couple of years at least it's been 3 or 4 years right like 4 years mm-hmm. so yeah, i mean i was expecting it because the number of me too adjacent documentaries and titles have been you know picking up in the last couple of years um yeah. but yeah obviously the film was supposed to be this one basically about uh, being in the eye of the storm and you know actually recording the moment itself and how it happened um, so yeah I, i mean i i was sort of expecting it i was actually expecting it to come maybe last year or something but uh, but yeah I, i mean i thought it was a pretty um, you know like it was for me it was sort of different from the other journalism films that we mentioned like spotlight and 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 post and all the presidents men in the sense that 
it is of course a journalism film but it is also has that um it also also almost has that responsibility of uh, you know doing well by um its subject and which is obviously a very important and a sensitive thing to sort of tread because not all titles have been successfully uh, successful with that and it's it's a tricky thing to do especially given we've seen documentaries we've seen you know women still uh, sort of really um, reluctant about their identities about that so we we actually get into the psychological space of a lot of the uh, of a lot of their sources in the film that we've been hearing about for years of course we've all most of us have read that the piece itself and the follow up pieces uh, that the journalists did but i find it very interesting that they sort of did not make a massive deal about um the craft of journalism itself you know it wasn't your typical newspaper movie in that sense you did not really see the aftermath of what their report did uh, you did not even since when they began working on the investigation itself it actually starts with you know the trump uh, it actually starts with the trump coverage back in 2016 which one of the journalists uh, megan toy sort of um, you know uh, did a sort of expose on trump and his uh, sexual harassment uh, history and that didn't work out because he was uh, he was eventually elected president despite all uh, despite her journalism so she is more of the cynical sort of almost uh, cynical character in that sense but even though the two journalists have the individual arcs in this film one is you know suffer, suffering from postpartum depression one is trying to find a way back and the other is basically uh you know trying to figure out a way uh, to actually get women to speak about what happened to them which is such a difficult thing and i found it interesting that they chose this particular tone to go with uh, and and it was fairly muted compared to a lot of other movies in this space that we see i i agree i agree and uh, it's it's also uh, it's also uh, interesting to see two women at the uh, center of a journalism movie which mm. are uh, you know they're mostly very male spaces the three movies that i've yeah. uh, mentioned are most of the characters are male and a lot of other uh, journalism movies also that tends to happen and out here uh, not only two women at the center of the movie but also uh, their working moms and that is a very big part of the film in the sense it's not like a, a small detail but it's very central to the fact that you know that they they have to do this work while kind of also um you know with their young children they have to uh, uh, find time to uh, uh, you know uh, to 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 do this very difficult uh, shoe leather kind of work where they're away and uh, one of them of course is having postpartum depression so that's uh, adding to the thing and it's uh, it's a very big part and uh, uh, stephanie zakrek actually had a very nice line in her review in time where she says they're uh, tireless reporters and tired moms mm. and uh, it's uh, it is a different um, uh, I, i you use the word muted and i think that's correct it's uh, even the uh, if you see the interviewing uh, style uh, and you know the way that they convince the uh, uh, the survivors to talk mm. a lot of it is just 
leaving space for the person to gather their thoughts think about things and say what they want to say it's not it's not like they're you know pushing them uh, through their questions to reach you know a goal that they want like to reach what would be useful for the story it's just like giving them a sympathetic ear and not hurrying them into saying anything that they don't want to say and that's done like time and again in the movie you just see it uh, uh, that you know they just they just leave this kind of dead space and uh, but it's a it's not an aggressive dead space it's a sympathetic dead space and that uh, the person either you know uses that time to say okay fine you know i i i'd like to talk about it and or they don't but it 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 does feel like an empathetic kind of look at not only uh, you know not only uh, journalism uh, but you know journalism in which you have this responsibility towards the subject and uh, uh, you know and in in which it's sort of sensitive and you have to kind of keep that in mind yeah and and you know another thing i found very fascinating about this despite it being a journalism movie as such is uh, that of course the entire focus was on the process and the way they go about talking uh, uh, and sort of giving space to uh, to the women that they find and uh, sort of really chasing the story in a sense and and being patient and being frustrated and having to listen to rejections and having to listen to having to basically just wait for the other person to make a decision and uh, that's pretty much the process but I, i find it i found it interesting that there's no real uh, they chose the film itself chose not to go into the whole drama of a journalism movie in the sense there's no real conflict at the office itself at in the newsroom itself uh, you know the new york times office um the editors are very very sort of supportive and understanding they are no nonsense of course but everyone's on the same page at almost all points of time yeah. even at home though they are working moms uh, their husbands are clearly sort of struggling or on the you know like with the whole family thing on their own and there is em- implication of that but there is never any conflict that we see any argument between the married couples um there are times when both of them are just tired and sort of talking to each other discussing their work or whatever when they are in a park or at a picnic or at a family moment uh, the two reporters keep getting phone calls and their phone calls almost interrupt almost every private moment that they have but the film doesn't make a big deal out of it like there are times when you expect the husband to you know uh, you know sound a little sarcastic about you know the their partner their wife being very busy and not having enough time that is because we are conditioned to see such drama in movies like this where uh journalists so where professionals get consumed by the work they are doing uh, their family life tends to suffer and even though we see that there is some stress on their family life uh, the film doesn't really pursue that uh, direction uh, i feel for um, you know almost in service of the story that they are chasing because that would might distract from the journalism and put it sort of make it about the journalists and and i think it was a nice thing to do in that sense like i like the fact that they didn't go the usual direction directions we expected them to go in like they 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 didn't uh, really uh, show us much of their personality outside of what we are already seeing 
and it's just implied that sure they may be having problems in their life but uh, but nobody really is willing to hijack no other character is willing to hijack the narrative which i found refreshing i'm i'm with you on the uh, on the family and the way they showed those i thought it was a slightly um uh weirdly frictionless office yeah uh which uh, almost is never the case even if your editors are super supportive uh it seemed a bit too smooth in that sense like everyone is on the same page from like beginning to end no one voices any doubts so that was a little bit uh, that felt a little bit utopian to me uh and also i was a little surprised that you know there's one mention of the of the ronan farrow Yeah. uh story for the new yorker on on the same uh you know the same history of abuse of harvey weinstein which was obviously happening at the same time and there's like this just one mention there and i don't think it ever comes up really later in the film about when it's going to be published and i i can't believe that they weren't sort of thinking about that also in terms of you know oh you know should we go to print earlier or what is happening there it now it does it just doesn't come up after that i think which i thought was a bit strange mm. uh yeah there yeah, was picking no. block aspect to it despite that like of course you're right that they mentioned the ronan farrow piece and uh, i think the editor then one of the editors says that it's pressure we can do without uh but you know let's just continue sort of chasing uh, sources it, it just felt i uh, also you know getting enough proof to sort of publish and getting enough um i felt like it yeah like there are like uh, that frictionless office thing uh, sort of got to me at one point uh, but again you know i'd i'd extend the same sort of argument to that as well that that um they were as it is facing i mean a sort of huge task to to you know to cover this story that uh, uh, you know that's been basically on them suddenly and and the entire process i felt like uh, wasn't poorer for that you know if we didn't see enough in the office or at home sure. or whatever it is so yeah yeah uh, let me ask you something so <laughs> i've i'm still trying to figure out my feelings about this and i mean this is a complicated film and there are a lot of layers to this because um uh, one of the names that uh, uh, that comes up a lot is Gwyneth Paltrow uh, yeah. uh, especially from Harvey's side uh, he keeps asking uh, has gwyneth spoken on the story the lawyer also asks is gwyneth part of the story and then harvey comes right at the end he he's like is is uh, you know what did gwyneth say what did gwyneth say and that was very interesting because it, i mean it, it to me it seems like that focuses because she, that she amongst the survivors is the most high profile uh, actress still working in hollywood mm. at that time uh, there were others and there was ashley judd but uh, and uh, rose mcgowan but their careers had been uh, derailed to some extent or to to a large extent by weinstein uh uh after the abuse and uh, but gwenet speaking out would have been t- 
to to Harvey's mind, I'm sure at that time that would have been the only risk that he saw. Like he, the other ones, he feels like you know I have already destroyed them. There's nothing really that can come out. But if Gwyneth speaks, I'll be in trouble, which is mm -hmm. why he keeps asking that. And that I I thought you know that was a interesting thing that comes up. But uh, it's just uh, you know there are layers. I was saying because this is uh, a, a film by um, one of the production companies is Plan B. Which is uh, Brad Pitt's company, and uh, you know Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow uh, at that time, at at one point, were together, and um, it's uh, and of course uh, Pitt now has uh, uh, violence and and uh, allegations against him uh, as well, and a lot of Hollywood is complicit in um, in Weinstein's success. Yeah. And the way that he was able to continue being the way he was, it was the biggest open secret. Uh, I I felt that the film doesn't really go into that aspect of things much. Uh, it doesn't really try and tie the larger world of Hollywood and how much he's enabled by people uh, to uh, how successful he was. People and it's like it's. It now sounds like, you know, it through if the film, if you just looked at it through the film, it was like, you know, Weinstein and Miramax mm. uh, did did all this. Like they they planned, you know, they like, you know, they they hushed everything up and they were, you know, they were the main antagonist. But there is this much larger support system which was there, uh, which sort of uh, enabled this. And uh, I don't think the film really goes into that. Did you feel that the film could have gone into that while maintaining this focus, did, or did it bother you? Uh, um, I mean, it was a strange position, as you said, you know, to be in because this is also technically a Hollywood film about what happened within, you know, which was an open secret within Hollywood itself. Uh, it didn't bother me as such because the names that needed to be taken were taken. Uh, I like that they went deeper into the ex-employees that worked with at Miramax um, and, uh, and you know, Harvey's sort of colleagues, the one, the women that we wouldn't have heard of and the names that we wouldn't have heard of, like Laura and like, and fantastic actresses playing all of them. Fantastic. Uh, Samantha Morton has a... a uh, amazing scene yeah, yeah and, and such such powerful sequences where they meet the reporters and talk to them off the record and then decide whether they want to go on the record eventually or not and and i like that they pursued that and they used flashbacks of those women of when they were younger girls rather than getting deep into the hollywood because the hollywood one the hollywood uh, faces the the names and the 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 system that was complicit in the creation of Harvey Weinstein, I feel like the film assumes we already know all of that, and um, they were the access to uh, basically what is a larger malaise within this entire culture of showbiz and of entertainment or of any other line for that matter. So this became a little more for me. It became a little more universal and not only about Hollywood or Miramax or Weinstein when they went into the history with the girls that uh, who had to survive through and who went through their own trauma over the years and their life took different directions eventually but they were the ones who eventually 
spoke to the reporters and or either chose not to speak to the reporters i like that they used that because that then made it more of a film where it's saying that okay this is sure it's a you recognize this as a hollywood story but it's actually it can be the story of uh, say within journalism itself or within uh, advertising or within any other industry uh, and and the women that do speak out i feel like you know there's there's a charming sort of uh, almost like a, an anonymity uh, about them uh, right. that works in favor of what the film is trying to do and um, i like that they, you know even though it doesn't entirely land those flashbacks i like the concept of using them you know what happened to them uh, whether it is an ex employee uh, like that irish girl that the film starts with yeah yeah it's a very smart thing to do because that what that did was make me try to guess who this irish girl is for the rest of the film uh, which survivor it will be or which uh, which woman that speaks it will be uh eventually of course we find out that it's samantha morton or you know or or one of the others um but the point is that uh there were more flashbacks after that and it it may say that it's starting with this story of this irish girl who worked in 1992 for miramax for a bit and was abused by him uh but it's basically saying that it, she could be anyone and that's the whole point that she was everyone uh and she was many women over the years whose names we've never heard of and who we and the names that we've heard of are only the high profile names and good on ashley jad to play herself as well in this film uh mm-hmm. but but i i like the fact that they chose that direction i have to say i like i like the opening flashback as in i uh, i thought that was uh, very nicely done the later ones not so much as mm-hmm. in it, there's nothing wrong with the flashbacks themselves i just don't think they were used in a very coherent manner mm. uh, i could never really like i didn't know why they were used when they were used at those points like they'd come at strange points in the film uh, where you know i i didn't like it they just sort of come out of nowhere sometimes they would just be like a pan down a, a, a hotel corridor uh with a voice over or with harvey's voice or with a recording or uh, yeah the, right at the end then you get um uh flashbacks to when they were uh, uh fairly young maybe around the time when uh, they uh, were abused but you know you don't even know if it's pre or post uh, uh you know the encounter and uh, it 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 didn't really uh, kind of come together for me the flashbacks uh, mm. uh, and um, maybe i thought uh, 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 an attempt to put some variety into what is otherwise a very linear uh, a very methodical uh, kind of film uh, and uh, yeah that's, that that didn't quite work for me but uh, otherwise i uh, I, i thought it was uh, it was very focused and uh, and uh, again both Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan uh, very nice performances um, they uh, they don't really hammer uh, through you know the kind of so, sort of saintliness that i was worrying about because it is a bit you know this is something i was on on guard about from this particular film once i heard that it was announced that you know you can't 
I, I wouldn't like sanctimoniousness from the same system that enabled Harvey Weinstein and then, you know, they get to preach about it in a film and then maybe that film goes on to like win a bunch of Oscars and it would just be like a bit grotesque had yeah. that happened. And I think the film's mutedness does help in this regard and its focus that it's not uh, really, um, it's not preaching at us at least, which I, I was quite relieved about. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, I guess that's why this film sort of stands out because uh, it's self-aware in the sense that it knows exactly what happened after the investigation. Uh, it knows what, uh, it, it almost sort of weaponizes the hindsight uh, in, in that sense because um, the Me Too movement did sort of get triggered it this was a catalyst for the the movement which went on for years but then it also plateaued at one point because all the men or most of the men that have been named in the last three or four years within you know this film industry for that matter are slowly coming back and that so i like that the film doesn't appear overly hopeful um in a way like it it isn't saying that this is the be all and end all this changed the world forever and the world is a better place after that uh it ends sort of with the publish button which i thought was smart because uh it, it didn't go into the celebratory sort of tone that most newspaper movies do where they show the reaction of society to the article and how well it sort of landed um, um you know so I, I felt like this film knew uh, what happened later and I, I thought that was a smart thing like to actually uh, to actually be designed with an eye on the future as well um, I guess that's why the muted tone sort of also works and uh, distinguishes this film from the others yeah I love the performances as well I thought Carrie Mulligan was very good and especially that scene in, in the bar where she just loses a shit at a man who tries to flirt with uh, yeah. them at the bar um, and uh, she just I mean it, it's there's so much subtext in the performances and in the screenplay because they don't highlight those uh, typical moments in, in a journalism film right so you are left as a viewer to understand what their triumphs and their frustrations are uh, you know no overuse of background score no overuse of montages um, no real big moments of the women being the journalists being particularly affected by the case they're working on so they are uh, losing their shit in ordinary life as working moms and as wives um, right. it's except for that scene there's no over effect on that uh, there's no overly uh, uh, you know like overbearing sort of expression of that and and that same for you know Zoe Kazan's character, ex except for that one call with her daughter on a when she's traveling in the UK, uh, right. where she sort of breaks down into tears for a bit. There's no, uh, there's a you know that that sort of subdued uh, thing about the whole film. Uh, you know it works because then it does not let uh, it does not let anyone really, including them, steal the show. And I guess that's eventually what got me thinking about why this film worked for me uh, even though it's not very much like the other titles we mentioned and it's it's more current and it's more sensitive and it's more complicated and it's more layered as you said um, but I think this is the best they could have possibly done with something as recent as this. Yeah I, 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 I agree uh, and um, uh, it's um, 
to thankfully playing in theaters um so yeah good, good uh, you know go see it if if you if it's playing in your city yeah that's um i guess that's pretty much it is there anything else you'd like to add about the film or no i think that's pretty much it that's pretty much it okay um also like just one one question before uh we wrap up uh when you watch movies like these journalism movies or these reporting movies and uh do you how do you feel personally i mean this question goes for a lot of us but how do you feel personally given that you know we are sort of in the line or you are a journalist as well and like how does it feel when you watch films about this particular profession as compared to other things does it affect your perception of the film itself do you feel like a rousing sense of emotion or a different kind of emotion or do you connect more personally yeah i think so i mean <laughs> it's uh, uh i i would say i connect more personally i mean we've sat through awful awful uh, journalism films made out here uh, which which have like no idea about how reporters are uh, you know there are maybe like some small exceptions maybe scam 1992 we uh, we did like the way that the reporter kind of seemed mm. fairly authentic in that but uh, you know most others have been like really terrible so yeah it's uh, with something like this it, it does kind of i mean i am Uh, i am more wrapped up in those stories um while of course never having experienced something on the level of you know the the kind of stories that they are trying to crack but yeah there is that that feeling and you know you kind of but i guess you also judge them a little more closely which is you know why i was wondering about the the room and uh, the editors and everything whether that seems authentic but uh, you know of course uh, those all come with their own kind of cultural specificity and uh, every newsroom is different and every story is different so uh, it just um, uh, it, it it is it, it is for me quite interesting i and i do enjoy like the kind of the the tropes of the journalism film also are a lot of fun you know that the yeah. thing which they do right at the end where they're all sitting around yeah. the uh, thing and uh, you know uh, wondering whether they should hit publish and all that's uh, that's great uh, the you know the, the, the thing of the meetings with the editor where someone sitting on the table someone sitting on the chair someone's pacing around those are great fun too and uh, you had uh, you had a lot of those without you know even though as as you point out tonally it is different from spotlight is different from the post uh, but uh, there there are kind of these beats that they all hit uh, i i noticed something that uh, the uh, uh, the uh, editor in in chief uh, does that uh, reminded me of all the presidents when at the right at the end he kind of he he slaps the table twice Uh, and that's something that uh, the editor in all the presidents men uh, also does i think that is their little tribute to all the presidents men out there yeah yeah no i mean absolutely like i agree with that the only sort of in my head the only like psychologically the only limitation of these films for me is 
it's great the field work the reporting the investigation itself and how challenging it is i love the way the movies do it uh, especially abroad we don't know how to do it here uh, but i get particularly anxious when the editor says okay we've got everything we needed now go write it <laughs> and i'm like how the hell do you show the challenge of writing in a film yeah like that is actually also very difficult part like how do they go about structuring that piece and like putting it in narrative form a uh, narrative non fiction is no joke and like to sort of just put it in words and like into uh, in storytelling form uh, the way the new york times article that we did read eventually how did they come to that um, because normally these films what they do is show us the reporting but not the writing as such or not the yeah you you uh, right yeah, yeah and it's tough because the writing given that we do spend a lot of time writing i'm like oh shit but that is like i mean show us something anything but again you know filmmaking as a medium visual medium it's difficult to, it's really difficult to show like how someone say a journalist or a writer goes about writing a piece only someone who's gone through it would know it even if you have all the material with you uh, or whatever process of writing whatever uh, method you use however you go about it whether you take notes in a certain way or use a storyboard to Uh, write your piece, your long form piece. I, I just would be more interested in films actually getting into the challenge of writing. Of course, this is not that film because this film wasn't about so much about the piece itself as it was about uh, what the piece was about. But you know, I'd I'd like it maybe once in a while if uh, if if a movie actually addressed like uh, the challenge, the craft of writing itself, which is for me is one of the most difficult things to do. Yeah, you're quite right. Also, it's just fun seeing two people try and collaborate on a piece. It's uh, <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's never easy to like co-write a piece, and uh, it's it's just like those are scenes that should have a lot of just like it should have a lot of filmic possibility if people are interested in that. There are a couple of those scenes in All the President's Men where. like uh, hoffman is standing sort of hovering over redford as he types and, and it's just you know you're waiting for one of them to kind of snap at the other and it doesn't happen and yeah, those are great scenes and I, those are i think uh, yeah I, that would be fun i i would like to see uh, a journalism movie tackle that yeah anyway uh, yeah that i guess that's pretty much it uh, for the journalism film and for she said um yeah that that's pretty much it for this podcast we'll be back soon again uh, do write into us if you have any suggestions any feedback uh, you know the drill uh, rahulnolas@gmail.com bhatia.ud@gmail.com uh, we'll be back soon there's bedia releasing this week the new varundavan film um maybe and we are also approaching the end of the year so there will be more films and we would i mean we enjoy doing end of the year discussions in general whether it's writing or not so that would be fun as well uh, maybe doing some end of the year podcast uh, so yeah we'll be back soon thanks for listening and uh, take care